coming up on this week's episode of the Big Footy Podcast. We talk all about the Wada appeal and the James Hurd interview on AFL 360. I have a bit of a rant about Carlton and we bring you the latest reviews from this weekend's games. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I am the Wookiee with me tonight, the usual gang of misfits and miscreants. I've got that messenger from the Hawthorne board. Who are you calling a miscreant? <laughs> I thought I'd use my words tonight. Uh, Seppo, fresh from banner making uh, for Freo. Another misfit joins the party. <laughs> and Mike joins us yet again. Uh, well, pretty happy with himself these days, Mike. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but I think uh, Seppo's banner effing making effort will be judged on Sunday, and it better have something about being bent over by the Bulldogs. Ooh. That's <laughs> the bestiality Hello. in the That's first right. minute and a half of the podcast. Well, then. Now, this is a G-rated podcast, isn't it, fellas? <laughs> it was until it was, it, was, yes. it was until about 40 seconds in. <laughs> That's all right. Now... Guys, uh, as always, we start with our highlights from the weekend. And, Mike, what was your highlight from the weekend? All right. Next person to ask? <laughs> no, my, my highlight lasted about half of the game, thanks, gentlemen. And uh, it was the first half, and after that, it was just like watching a bunch of, uh, you know, D-grade uh, VFA players trying to run around. No, actually, veterans trying to run around. <laughs> Fair enough. And, uh, Seppo, your highlight from the weekend, mate? Uh, I suppose just getting another a win and going six and zero against the Bombers and, and watching it live in, in WA was my highlight and um just to be there and watch a game I haven't been back to uh, Subiaco to watch a game in years and just to be there to watch it was my highlight and it was um yeah good to see it in person but I tell you what it, it was a highlight and a low light Subiaco the domain stadium is the worst ground to watch AFL and the surrounds in the entire continent. Messenger, what was your highlight from the weekend, mate? I don't have a highlight from the weekend, Wookie. Well, just, okay, we'll, we'll skip you then, but, and we'll go to my highlight from the weekend, because while my team didn't win, it's even bigger for me when the Hawks lose. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, my highlight being Jeremy Cameron's seven goals. The kid is going to be a star, no question about it. Did really well. But, we're not. We're no longer friends. But the whole game, my, my all I could think of was Messenger sitting by the uh, <laughs> sitting in front of his TV, just going, uh, just reacting like this. No! <laughs> <laughs> so. I will tell you, I actually watched it with my father-in-law, who's a Hawthorne supporter. And there was lots of, you know, when you sit, when you're sitting there and something, and you sort of your legs all swivel around, and you, and you sort of put your hands over your face, and and there was, we we may have we may have um, uh, we we may have made reference to Matthew Suckling's genealogy a few times, cast aspersions on his ancestry, cast aspersions on his family, on his lineage, but um, oh no, not 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 good, not good. Yeah, well, look, on to the news then, and very quickly before we get to that main course for this evening, which I think is going to be fairly obvious to all and sundry, unless you've been under a rock for the last two days. But before we get to that, uh, some minor bits and pieces of news. There's going to be a change to the grand final route. Apparently, it's no longer going to end up at uh, Federation Square like it has since whenever Federation Square was finished. It's now going to be changed slightly and it'll end at the MCG and there's going to be a big uh, fan thing there set up and it'll have uh, concerts and food tasting and, I don't know, Ferris wheels and Fairy Foss and whatever else they have there. But it's apparently a fairly big deal, some delicate negotiations with uh, the state government and uh, apparently changing the route of the parade was a big deal. So it's probably a good idea because it's actually the Parliament building where it would finish up and start at Fed Square and make its way through the city. And attending the, uh, I've only attended one in, in 2013 when Freo were there. But just in terms of 
the finished location, you know, blocking off a section of street and finishing up in front of the steps of a parliament building, it sort of just dies off very quickly after that. But if, I suppose if you're finishing at you know, the peak and getting to the ground of where the grand final is going to be played and what the sort of open spaces, everything around the MCG provides, is obviously makes a lot more sense and you can put a lot more into it and it takes away from shutting down the whole city. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily agree with that because if you look traditionally, the premise of the AFL Grand Final Parade going up Collins Street and terminating or ending up there at the top of Spring Street, you've got, you know, it, it's a bit more close in. You've got that atmosphere. You've got people in office buildings. You've got, you know, the, the line streets. Whereas if you look at the map now, they're taking it from there all the way past um, Treasury Gardens, which there's nothing there but road and train li- uh, tram lines. Then going across uh, to Jollymont, so I don't think it's going to be as good. It would, I don't think the atmosphere along the way will be good as uh, what it is in the current format. I wonder if they should have just taken like, the same route that they used for the <coughs> long walk. Was it, would, would that make sense? It'd be hard to do the cars along the um, the banks of the Yarra, though. You'd uh, have to have some pretty good streets to and line it up because there's quite a big attendance. I'm not sure how many numbers they actually factor in but there'd be a huge amount of people wanting to see all the cars and everything go by and it'd be, be hard yeah. to do it down the era so basically what we're going to end up with is something called the taste of football it's a food and wine festival to uh which will showcase melbourne's leading chefs i'm not sure what that has to do with football uh there'll be a film festival apparently which will feature a competition for fans to put in their own footy themed short films and replays of old grand finals all through the week uh, there'll be a hospitality precinct, which is based on uh, Flemington's domain. Um, I haven't been to Flemington in many a year, so I'm not sure what they do there during the Melbourne Cup. And there'll also be a music festival, which will feature existing up-and-coming Australian artists appealing to all demographics, apparently. So the Seekers and Guy Sebastian, is that right? <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> You'll have your fill of... Uh, yeah. Look, guys, it's Judith Durham. Yes, remember remember Judith Durham. What was yes. that the '95 Grand Final? So that's uh, going to be interesting. At least we'll see how that goes. The AFL unashamedly borrowing from horse racing and American football and things like that, but we should be used to that by now because that's what the AFL pretty much does. Mm. So, interesting stuff. Uh, Riley Brent Riley, I think it is. Has uh, from Adelaide has retired from football immediately. Been told never to play contact sport again uh, after a bit of a head injury, uh, where he had a metal plate inserted into the side of his head and spent three days in intensive care. So he's um thank- a bit of a head injury. <clears throat> thankful to be alive. <laughs> thankful to no. be alive. Yes. Yeah, but no, a, a very a very good and wise decision because you know players have to take their long term health into perspective and, and make the right choice rather than trying to hold on to a footy career. Absolutely. You know, so it's, it's good to see him make the right choice for his long-term future. Absolutely. And it was touch and go when he first went in. And I thought a lot of the um, mm. Adelaide coaches I've heard interview about it saying they were really worried for his health, but it looks like he's going to make a full recovery, but just obviously, unfortunately, can't go ahead with his uh, AFL career now. Now, mm. there's, there's been some fallout from the Alastair Clarkson incident at Adelaide Oval. God, more? And, and apparently South Australian police flew over to Melbourne on the weekend to uh, interview him further about the matter. <laughs> did they, did, it's, it's easier to get an autograph when you fly over, isn't it? Well, pretty much. But the AFL well, has now stepped in and banned coaches from walking back into Adelaide from the Oval over the bridge. They now have to catch a bus back to their hotel. Oh, hell's bells. So, um, got to prevent that because... Not just, and I don't think it's just because of this. I think there was an incident at Bell Reeve on the weekend uh, with the, the uh, Scott brother that coaches uh, North Melbourne and a uh, security guard, apparently. That's right, Brad Scott, good old uh, shut the roof, uh, Eddie Head Stadium, Brad Scott. I think he might have asked where the roof had gone, why wasn't the roof closed. <laughs> security guard was saying, look, there is no roof here, son, you're in Tasmania. We don't do roofs here, and... Scott may have got a bit agitated with the security guard for pointing out that fact. I'm not entirely sure. I may have made well, that entire the official, story up. The official story is that the security guard has made allegations that uh, Brad Scott kicked him and abused him as uh, he tried to get past him to make his way onto the ground. So and, we'll see what comes about that. Some security guard, if he's uh, gets all um, 
gets all uh, sensitive over that, surely. Well, the Scott, the <laughs> especially Scott, getting beaten up by Fred Scott. <laughs> the, the Scott brothers are fairly tough, though. So you know, obviously, he felt like he was in fear of his life or something. He, he, uh, was Richard... the security guard clutching his shoulder in agony when when Scott went at him? Because that's usually what the Scott brothers <laughs> wait for. Uh, Richmond have been fined $5,000 for uh, not providing proper details to Asada in terms of player addresses and where they can be found and whatnot. Um, No truth to the rumour that Richmond just said, well, if you want, you know, they're all at Tullamarine. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) no jokes there, of course, uh, obviously. Comic genius, you. Not not funny. I'm no Titus O'Reilly, don't you worry? No. Uh, You know, I, I, I make do, though. um, And that's pretty much all I've got in terms of news. So, look, in a second we're going to uh, talk about the WADA situation and the appeal that they've launched. Uh, But before that, here's a quick wrap of where we're at uh, with the WADA appeal. Hey, the coach is with us. James, welcome to AFL 360. Thanks, Jared. Good to be here. Was it a devastating day? I wouldn't say devastating. It was certainly uh, different to what we expected. I don't think um, anyone at the club really thought this would happen. I can honestly say that the players and the coaches and the people within the football department were were considering that we'd just move through it. Um, It wasn't even spoken about really in the last few days. So devastating, I I wouldn't say, but certainly distracting. You don't really know what happened, though. If you did know, this would have long been over. If you could prove what the players took, you wouldn't be facing charges regarding (coughs) Thymus and Beta 4. Well, I think that people at the Essendon Football Club believe that they didn't take Thymus and Beta 4 and are very confident they didn't take Thymus and Beta 4. And the, the, you know, the tribunal has come to that conclusion as no, well. No, they didn't. They well, found that they couldn't place Thymus and Beta 4. They were found not guilty of taking Thymus and Beta 4. They actually never considered the question of whether they were given Thymus and Beta 4. Well, they found guilty of... of no, no, they weren't. They but weren't. That's so not you're either qu- guilty or not guilty of taking That question it. never actually got considered. And that question may very well get considered. Okay, this and I think around. they'll get found not guilty again of that, Jerry. Do you have the moral authority to continue as coach, given you're in the position of authority when this program happened and these players have now had a third season deeply affected by it? What do you mean by the moral Do you have authority? the compunction to ask them to, to make demands of them day after day? Well, I think they'll decide that. I mean, if they decide that I don't, then they'll tell me. And they've, they've said that I do. They, they've said to me today they want me to coach them harder and harder than I ever have before. So I believe I have. If your club couldn't tell you what they put into your son, how would you feel about that as a father? Yeah, I'd be disappointed if, if they couldn't tell me exactly. But I, I've been in those meetings where the, the club has talked to the families about what, what has happened. And I've been there when the scientists have talked about what, is, what, what possibly could have happened at worst case. And uh, I think everyone is comfortable that at that point, when they talk about what happened at worst case, that it isn't harmful, what, what was put into the players, what possibly could have been put into the players. And the club's confident that nothing illegal or harmful was put into the players. Are you at all fearful of the wider process? This is a long way outside the small league that is the AFL. Well, I'm not fearful because I don't believe they took anything illegal. I, I, there's no, nothing I have seen, and we've seen everything, and we've been lived at the club, we were there, there's nothing I've seen that showed any player to have taken anything illegal. And that, that is the confidence we have. Um, I don't... We've read everything, we've seen everything, and we've lived it. Are there any records that can be found to fill the void that was identified by the anti-doping tribunal who said that if Essendon had kept records the way they should have, that nobody would have been in this position? Are there any records to be found? Well, I've seen records of players having taken the thymo module. Now, I don't know... And those records were given to Ann Robson, who gave them to Asada. And Asada, I understand they have those records of Essendon players taking thymomodulin. That is all the records I've seen of thymomodulin, thymomosin, thymosin beta 4. Um, there are records of Essendon players taking thymomodulin. And why does Asada say they haven't got them? Well, the anti doping tribunal said they didn't have them. And they also well, dismissed that it could have been thymomodulin. It was either TB4 or God knows what. Well, I've seen a spreadsheet of players with thymomodulin written across the top, which was given to Ian Robson, which was then given to the Asada investigators. So it's not Essendon who's destroyed um, anything. That was given to the Asada investigators. That's a big accusation, Jack. It's not an accusation, it's a fact. That was a segment from the AFL 360 interview on Tuesday night that Mark Robinson and Jared Healy did with James Hurd. And joining us to discuss that, uh, we have 
uh, the prosecutor from the Essendon board. Prosecutor, welcome. How did Thanks, you, how has this all gone down with you? Are you sleeping well? Are you getting some rest? Do you well, need to con- lie down? Uh, contrary, uh, contrary to Jenny's claims, I am very, I'm sleeping very well. I'm very comfortable where I lay. Um, and obviously it came, it came as a bit of a shock, especially at such a late hour as um, Wada left it to. But, I mean, ultimately... The players and the um, legal team have uh, been through it once, and I'm confident they'll get through it again. Okay, so the wider statement on this, wider waited, like, like prosecutor said, wider waited until literally the very last minute. <laughs> People went to bed Monday night thinking, okay, it's all done, nothing's going to happen now, and they woke up in the morning and wider had gone, well, you know what, we will. Uh, Wider's statement literally says, uh, we have now completed our independent review of the full case file on the AFL's anti-doping appeals tribunal decision regarding 34 current and former Essendon players. After a thorough examination of the evidence contained within the file, Wider has decided to lodge its independent right of appeal to the decision to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. As with all pending cases and adhering to the proper and normal respect for the integrity of the legal process, Wider will refrain from commenting further on the subject until a decision has been made by Cass. Now, there's a couple of things here. Cass is fully booked until June, apparently. So it is going to be at least three or four months before we hear anything further from this. And last night, Wada, in their wisdom and respecting the integrity of the, of the process, uh, posted the 34 names uh, of the Essendon players responsible for this. Now, Just to clarify, I think it was uh, Cass that actually posted it, not Wada. It, Wada posted it, it to Cass the Cass site. Right. Uh, it's part of Wada's statement of claim on the uh, Cass site itself. Uh, and I believe it's now been removed, although it was still up uh, this morning. So, uh, Bigfooty has been uh, deleting it wherever we find it, apparently. Yes, yeah, so do not post it again. That's right, we don't, we don't want to see it posted until or we're sure. Or you will feel the wrath of, of respected super moderator <laughs> Seppo. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the super mod gang, because uh, we we regular mods, we we you know it's beyond our powers. Now, the wider statement makes it pretty clear, and Ben McDevitt was known to be uh, talking to Wada uh, in Montreal, I think, uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, well, Ben McDevitt's just been known to be talking in general, so it's... that comes to no surprise. And there's a, there's a general feeling from WADA that they weren't happy with the AFL's, uh, with the AFL and the anti uh, doping tribunal's interpretation of satisfaction, in that they, they produced a harsher um, scrutiny of the evidence and comfortable satisfaction warrants, apparently. Prosecutor, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the grey areas when it comes to this um, level of. Bur- or burden of proof required in these cases is that ultimately, whilst it is set, it's also very subjective. In, as in, I mean, it could be closer to the balance of probabilities or it could be closer to um, beyond reasonable doubt, which um, I guess the common uh, interpretation of the, uh, the AFL tribunal um, findings is that it obviously leaned towards the latter. So... I guess that's one thing to keep in context as well is that people have been claiming that CAS will have a lower burden of proof, but that's not necessarily true. They might even have the exact same burden that um, the AFL eventually set or even greater as well. And I guess that's the thing that comes down to whilst it's sort of defined, it's very loosely defined and ultimately is subjective of the panel members that are, uh, or the arbitrators that eventually do hear the case. Now, pretty much everyone seems to have been taken by surprise at the official level, uh, the AFL hasn't commented on this at all, as far as I know. Um, Essendon, completely taken by surprise. Uh, like Heard says in his interview, they thought it was pretty much done and dusted. Uh, came out of the blue. So, sorry, Wookie. Is it, does it really... I'm surprised that they didn't at least have a contingency for this in place, that this would be... that they would be so shocked... And oh my God, we weren't see, we didn't see that coming. Well, so you must have known that it was even a possibility, and surely you would have something planned for it, not to be, you know, caught with completely with your pants down over it. I, th- I think many people were waiting for her to say, "I'm shocked to be sitting here during the interview," and he got oh, so, he got so close, but it never quite got that far. Do you know how much makeup he was wearing for that interview? 
was a lot. He was very fidgety, Mr. He Hurd. Was, but he uh, was... also, the AFLPA very unhappy with uh, the decision to reactivate the case. Uh, a former lawyer for the AFLPA was going on today in the Age about walking away from the Water Code and uh, the AFL, you know, basically cutting itself off from Asada and all that kind of crap. Well, to be honest, I don't necessarily think it's crap. The whole sort of notion of um, separating from Asada and WADA, not because of anything specifically because of Essendon, but more relative to the fact that I guess Asada and WADA's anti-doping code as it stands at the moment really isn't, I guess, adequate when it comes to, I guess, the nature of AFL as a sport, as a team sport more um, specifically. And there are moves. Yeah, said it's more of a code that sort of suits individual athletes and those smaller teams, not across a big national competition like we've got with big teams. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much. It's I guess it's ideal when it comes to Olympics, but I mean, you know, trying to I guess uh, have those sort of penalties match up with um, team-based sports with the exact same penalties for the exact same things. Uh, it just I guess doesn't really work out in that sort of sense. And I guess WADA and Asada are both sort of found that out now because this is probably one of the most, if not the most predominant, uh, uh, I guess, uh, influential case when it comes to team sport and the, uh, the code as such. I can't think of one that necessarily stands out as uh, being bigger or more instrumental in sort of defining how the code um interprets team-based matters. Well, that's why the AFL is apparently in talks with the NRL and other codes about introducing a code that specifically covers team sport in Australia, at least, because at the moment they are basing them on the wider code and the Asada codes, which are basically, like like you said, they're for individual players and athletes and don't really take into respect the seasonal approach that uh, team sports do, so... I guess not to get sidetracked, but I guess if that was to eventuate or definitely anything like that came to fruition, I guess I would call into, um, I guess I would call into, uh, I can't think of the word, but it would also raise the prospects of Asada's future in general as a entity in this country. I mean, obviously with the Olympics and all that sort of stuff and the AOC that there would be some figment of uh, a wider affiliated body, but um, I guess with the major codes gone, I'm not sure just how much the government would be willing to sort of subsidise Asada or I guess what their operational um, functionality going forward would actually look like. Mm-hmm. Just uh, for the time being, though, WADA and Asada obviously have uh, the rule of the day here in that, in that area. But the head of uh, CAS is none other than John Coates, former head of the AOC, uh, the Australian Olympic Committee, who uh, has it in for the major codes after the Crawford report a couple of years ago. I don't know if any of you remember this, where David Crawford, who was also responsible for the report that gave us the uh, AFL commission, uh, he basically came out and said, Olympic sports are crap, no one wants to play them. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) more funding should go to, like, the AFL and the NRL and, and, and sports that people actually play instead of, like, wrestling and things that no one's interested in. So uh, John Coates was very livid about that at the time. Not that it's going to have a big uh, effect on this because um, basically what happens from here is the players get to appoint an arbitrator uh, Asada will, or Wada will get to appoint an arbitrator and then both of them will get to appoint a third arbitrator that they have to work out between them. The tricky... uh, from, from what I've um, read, sorry to interrupt there, Wookie, um, just on the train home, I was reading on the Herald Sun that um, there's a specific name mentioned as that, um, I guess, either joint or... It's either joint or it's a Cass-anointed um, arbitrator, which is apparently some Swiss ski- uh, former skier from uh, Switzerland. Mm. Uh, I can't recall her name, but no doubt she's very pretty, and um, if she needs a date while she's here, I'm all available. 
love, love line with Prosecutor here on the podcast, if you're just tuning in. Um, hello, is Prosecutor <laughs> on the phone? Prosecutor, have you got a song for your lovely arbitration panel member? <laughs> just, uh, it's, I've got a Melatan to sing to you. Are you a lonely Swiss arbitrator looking for love? Yes. Prosecute this, baby. Join me in my bubble bath. Anyway, moving along. I hope to hope I want to really hopelessly <laughs> conflict you, baby. Oh, yeah. So moving along, uh, the arbitrators, there's a panel of about 20 nominees that are available in Australia, and automatically anyone involved previously in this case has to remove themselves from any involvement in this hearing. So that means... Um, the lead, the lead lawyers for the players the uh, and Asada can't be involved. Um, there's one of the judges can't be involved because they David heard Jones. one of the cases earlier. So the, the, the prospects dwindle as to who you can actually get. So um, that's interesting. There's a big article on sociallitigator.com that goes into that uh, that I strongly urge you to read if you want to be more informed than I am. So end of the day, WADA have appealed. Well, Wada have lodged their appeal. The appeal hasn't gone ahead. This is a what uh, this case is heard what they call de novo, so it's completely new from the start. It's not a it's not just a review of the evidence like the federal court case was. This is completely new. Um, it's a complete rehearing of everything in front of in out of an AFL controlled environment, which is probably good for everyone, really. I guess this is one, an opportunity for them to dig up that spreadsheet that everyone's referring to. Can yep. new evidence be submitted? The only way this could be heard, and there's no avenue of appeal from this either. This is it. This is where the buck stops in this. So, if Cass rule one way or another, that's the end of it. There's no appealing to anywhere else. There's no mechanism that allows for that. So, uh, you've got to put your best front forward. Now, they also say that uh, Cass probably doesn't have the power to compel witness appearances, which is the same problem Masada had. So Cass will probably have to go to the Supreme Court to try and get it. Uh, which Asada obviously already tried. And... and will probably fail under the same tests. It's not a commercial arbitration. It's a disciplinary one. And disciplinary arbitration doesn't qualify for compelling uh, witness testimony. So, Does Stephen Dank ski? Stephen Dank's appeal is due apparently soon. Well, I'm just death. saying, Switzerland will be a very popular location, <laughs> depending on when they have it. It'll be you hurt. may want to get some skiing in. I don't don't put it past every football journalist in Melbourne making sure they've got an up to date passport and checking out the nightlife in Lausanne. It's it's probably going to be heard in Australia, mate. So oh, that would be that it. So, I mean, demon supporters are set, but, I mean, outside of that... Um... <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have to go to Falls Creek, mate. <laughs> so that's pretty much the wider case where it stands at the moment. We, we know very little about what's going to happen from here, but we do know that it's a complete rehearing of the case. The current lawyers and whatnot involved can't be involved in the next step and that there is no appeal from this process once it starts. We know that Essendon... The AFLPA and presumably the AFL are a little taken aback by this step being taken. Everyone seems to have assumed that it was pretty much done and that the season was going to get on, everyone was going to be happy uh, and only you know malcontents on big footy were predicting otherwise. This leads us to the James Hurd interview on AFL 360 last night, which we did play an excerpt from, you, uh, from it earlier. Uh, he was... Well, he, did, he didn't appear to be the happiest chap in the world, and Mark Robinson appeared to be very subdued, and Jared Whaley appeared to be on the warpath. Messenger, you've seen this. How did, uh, how did this go down with you? I think it was an exceptional piece of journalism. There is a lot of boys club in AFL media, and you seem to be able to be excused for just about anything by being an ornament to the game or a, an in inverted commas, a good bloke. And sometimes, you know, good blokes make mistakes and sometimes good blokes do bad things. And and uh, he, Jared, certainly held James's feet to the fire and asked him some very direct and very searching questions, which uh, I think perhaps uh, took uh, took his majesty by surprise. So... Uh, it was it was a, a refreshing piece of journalism in in this situation. So, 
So is uh, Jared Waitley all of a sudden a good journalist again after having that sort of 14-month, uh, uh, oh, I guess nearly 20-month period there where he was written off as uh, anything but? I have I have never, ever subscribed to that school of thought with Jared Waitley, ever. I've, I've, I think he's the best football journalist uh, currently working the AFL. I've never been of the view that he's been pro-Essendon or anti-Essendon or, or anything like that. There are some who are certainly, uh, you know, pro-Asada and there are some who are pro-Essendon. I've never thought Waitley was one of those people. Mm. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, especially in the point of him being the, uh, I guess, the best journalist we have in the industry. Yes. It's just, I, it's just, I find it rather... Mm. Uh, Bemusing the uh, sentiment towards Waitley, especially the vitriol, especially considering, I mean, ultimately, if nothing else, he's more or less been proven right when it comes to AOD so far. I mean, there's definitely been nothing to contradict his claims as such, and uh, apart from that, he hasn't really, I guess, sympathised with Essendon at all. I mean, he was very critical from the beginning about uh, Essendon's practices as such, but I mean... I guess to see this public sentiment when he, as you said, goes after someone who, I guess, whilst not intrinsically in the boys' club, is definitely, I guess, you could associate with it. Um, it's, I, I just find it amusing, to be honest, that all of a sudden that something like this can so drastically change the uh, the thoughts of a journalist like Waitley overnight. If, if you many. listen to that, if you compare to what the interview he did on 360 compared to the interview he did on Breakfast on Triple M where they were saying, oh, James, we're so sorry you have to go through this again. Oh, this is terrible for you, James. Are you okay? I said, oh, my God. Like, you know, you wouldn't have to go through it again if you weren't bloody implicit in it, you know, complicit in it. I mean, I can't even say the word now, but, you know, this this whole thing of, oh, poor you and all oh, mean old waters after you and, you know, God, stop it. I mean, just stop it. Which was in sharp contrast to Waitley coming out pretty much straight off the bat and saying, well, you wouldn't be here if you had the evidence. Yes. And, and if you had any evidence then, at all, this would be over today, you know. And, yeah. and, and asking him directly, should you still have a job? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, um, no, nobody's asked, I don't think anybody's ever asked him that question before. Well, I, th- I think people... I they are... ask him, do you think you feel safe, not directly, why should you actually be coach? Well, not do just you that. have the moral, the moral, the moral authority... I think was the phrase. Yeah, is the, that right? The, well, he said the moral authority, the moral compunction to, to continue in his job. And that's a personal decision. That shouldn't be up to the players. And that's, yeah, that's where I think he started losing Waitley because it was like, you, you're not taking that responsibility that you promised everyone that you were going to at any stage. But anyway. Yeah. I, I guess, that, uh, I guess I understand now, especially actually now that you sort of recite what Waitley uh, put forward to him. When you when you actually raise the point of um, moral authority, it kind of insinuates that Herb would be the authority on it and not the players the authority. Mm. Yeah, he, well, no. he wasn't asking. He wasn't asking what the players thought. Yeah, exactly. He, he was asking uh, Herb. Guess, you know, I what's your the, conscience um, saying? Yeah, that's what I mean. I guess whether he had the moral authority. I guess in the end, it should be Herb who knows if he has the moral authority or not, and it should be you know just saying that oh, the players think I should. I think authority, by definition, kind of points to the fact that he himself should be, you know, obviously both obviously self-aware about morally how he actually fits into coaching these men who are, or or men in just in general who put their trust in him. But also, I, I guess, yeah, I, I don't like the sort of sentiment where he's laying it off into the players like they're the authority on this. When yeah, but anyway, that's I guess that's semantics to, to, to me. To me, this is about what, what he's saying. There is essentially, you've demonstrated poor decision making or, or a, a lack of governance. So we can go back to Swiskowski report. Why should they listen to you now? Mm. You've you've demonstrated a severe lack of judgment over this saga. You still, you still, you still. You, it's possible that you will be found guilty of something, or you could be deemed to have been involved in it even further. Why should they listen to you when you've done you've done them wrong already? Yeah, well, basically, and, yeah, you've led them into the fire. Why should yeah? What gives you the right to still lead this pack, or this group? Exactly, That's pretty much. Exactly right. And I, I, honestly, you, you look at it, I can't think of a time where a coach has survived anything like this. 
your coach has got sacked for far less in the past three or four but years. He, he didn't just get. He just didn't survive. He prospered. He got an extension to his contract and a year's holiday in the middle there. But and a year's holiday. You yes. can make of that what you will. But I can't think of a situ any other situation where such a controversy of any kind has been of this magnitude, and the coach has survived it. It just doesn't happen. Anyway. I agree. So, I mean, we could go on for hours, and I don't really want to do that because we've been on this for, I don't know, how old am I now? How old am I now? Honestly, since Messenger was a boy, that's how long we've been doing this for. (laughs) Since I was just a glint in my great grandfather's uh, scrotum. You know, so. um, Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Before we uh before we finish up for the night, I want to have a, a quick uh, quick rant about my football club. Um, I foreshadowed this to the guys on Monday night. And oh, well, speaking of um spending an entire day on the topic, I, I, don't, I don't want to spend a whole day on it. I do want to just say that my football club is in appalling shape. Whether it's whether you look at the way the players are just pathetically performing at the moment. Uh, to our recruiting, which has led us to the players that are pathetically performing at the moment, to our membership department, which is pathetically performing, to our board, which is full of nepotism and old, you know, boy, you know, old boys from, you know, the the social club, and there's something rotten at Carlton, and it's not getting any better, and we've had this problem forever. I mean, and there's no success coming along. You know, you can overlook it when you're winning premierships and things like that. Oh, you, know, you do what you have to to win. But since 2002, when we when we last won the flag, uh, not won the flag, when we got done for our salary cap, we we haven't. Which got, is a flag in the equivalent for Carlton, no doubt. We we have <laughs> we have, we haven't got any better. Like we might not be winning the wooden spoon, but we're damn close to doing it this year. I honestly haven't seen us play this bad since those days of 2002-2003. I saw an article the other day. Our, develop, our VFL development side won their first game in like two years on the weekend. Like yes. the, it's, it's like 800 days since they last won a game or some rubbish. That's, like, that's, that's awful. What the hell is going on at Carlton? Like we don't, our players, they don't develop at the same rate other clubs develop players. You know, you don't expect everyone you draft to come through as a star in the first year or even as a good player in the first year, but, you know, generally clubs are pulling out at least one or two. You know, players... And look at the Saints and Brisbane that are starting to pluck up and perform a bit better than what everyone expected probably at the start of the year. Carlton's probably underperformed the most out of all sides. And, and, And it's not that we've lacked top draft picks and it's not that we've lacked, you know, reputable coaches or... Anything, it's just we just don't have and, and and Mick Malthouse going on about us not having the cattle for his game plan is rubbish. I mean, if you don't have the cattle for your game plan, you change the fucking game plan. Correct. You don't keep the same game plan and then blame the players because your game plan doesn't fit the players you have. I mean, unless you have no plan B. And Malthouse has no plan B. Now, the one thing that Carlton have that no other club has is a hovercraft. So you've got that going for And they nothing... Even, hang on, they can't even get that right. And nothing, <laughs> nothing symbolised our season and our club better than that freaking hovercraft sinking in the arrow on the weekend. Because, honest to God, I saw that in the paper and I was just like, that is our season right there. That is just rock bottom. It's a decade, if nothing else. Because we only started using the stupid thing again this year. We pulled it out for, I think, round one at the MCG or something. And, you know, six weeks later, it's sinking in the air, just like our season. Like, honestly. We do have to get a very quick move on to the weekend's games. And uh, Friday, uh, we've got Essendon and North Melbourne. So no Carlton, no Collingwood oh. Messenger. You'll be able to watch uh, what could be an OK game, Pross. Yeah, look, it's traditional big footy rivalry, isn't it? Um, yeah, it should be a decent game, both teams 3-2. and two, And, of course, um, we know this Essendon team uh, is in a very emotional team, if, if nothing else, and do respond to uh, turmoil. So it'll be interesting to see, especially with the uh, sort of um, 
or for lack of a better term, laconic performances we've seen in the last three weeks, how Essendon turn up. And I mean, North Melbourne could be anything, but they seem to be in a bit of form lately. So I'd expect, if nothing else, I expect a very um, competitive North Melbourne team. Yeah, North for mine on this. Oh, the roof shut. <laughs> Friday night, you'd expect so. Uh, uh, roof won't be able to hold him. Brad's got tears if um, oh, get up. Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, Saturday afternoon, Adelaide have got St Kilda at Adelaide Oval. Um, you'd expect Adelaide to bounce back after the showdown, wouldn't you? Well, well, well. Actually, yeah, Kilda. I think no, no. Adelaide, I expect Adelaide to win that one easily. Yeah. Big game for Hawthorne. They've got Melbourne on the weekend, uh, you know, after their performance against WS. Any chance of uh, losing this one? Every chance. This is <laughs> this is a danger game. Uh, very concerned. Mm. I actually well, reckon Melbourne will put in a good show. Probably not as concerned as I am about Carlton playing GWS on Saturday afternoon at Etihad Stadium. Well, uh, let me tell you... Well, yeah. actually thinks that you might lose it where it's basically fact that you will, so... Well, yeah. you just lost to a, a palpably worse team at home. Yeah, no. And he, so I, I would be feared for your for the hovercraft and for me. <laughs> I would be on the Isn't hovercraft. Isn't it funny and... where you're saying the upset is actually Carlton beating GWS? Yes. Yes. Saturday night, possibly game of the round here in Sydney have got Geelong at uh, ANZ Stadium. Sydney in a walkover. Geelong travelled very, very poorly last year. They got interstate away games. They got beaten, beaten up on. I reckon Sydney might give them, give them the uh, the go the long handle on them. Actually, seventy, eighty points. Mm. I'd say. Mm. Yeah. West Coast have got Gold Coast at uh, Patterson Stadium or Domain Stadium or whatever they call it this week. Uh, that's Saturday night. West Coast is going to be back to their flat track bully ways after getting a good result against Port. I think absolutely. I've just seen the, I've just seen the size of Gold Coast injury list, and you know Ablett leads that list of people, but it's just amazing to see how bad Gold Coast have been hit. Plus the fact they've got to travel, and Eagles have just found a bit of form. This is going to be avert your eyes, kids. Avert your eyes for mm, a major awful. And, and it's interesting that you tell us that, that Gary Ablett actually leads something at the Gold Coast. That's fantastic. <laughs> the Bulldogs. Just uh, follow the Harley Bennell precedent um, Gold Coast Sun fans and just get shit-faced for it. That's it. Mm, the Bulldogs have Fremantle. In fact, this is, oh, this is probably the game of the round. Eddie had Stadium on Sunday. Hello. Mike, can your boys come back? <laughs> Look, uh, on paper, Yes. Probably no, I don't think they will against Frio. I think Frio's far more mature and uh, bigger bodied, and I think they should. Uh, what if? What if? Not I... easily beat us, but beat us by about twenty points. Did Did you consider giving Seppo an extra fifty bucks and a large roll of Scotch tape to go down and make the banner just strong enough to decapitate like Sanderlands when he runs through it? <laughs> Actually, it's not a bad idea. I think I might take that up. Hang on. You are going to the game on the weekend, aren't you, Seppo? I am. I will be there. He's not amused, though. He's, he's... <laughs> can I just... Can he'll I just he'll be with that lonely other Fremantle supporter there at the other end. <laughs> both, but they'll both be there, the Fremantle supporters. And now, Mike, I think we have to agree, really, it's Fremantle's premiership to lose from here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah look, I... I look, the best team we've seen in years. Mm. Gonna... Yeah, I think so. I think it is Fremantle's premiership to lose this year. They are really, really good to go. I don't know. I remember a couple of years ago, Essendon were like nine zip or something at the start of the season, and they. Yeah, but we haven't been injecting our players with anything, so we're we're, we're good to go here. So yeah, oh, but I mean, okay. we're we're not at the level though when we're winning finals without even actually qualifying for. It. I mean, that's a special sort of um, ability to tap into. <laughs> so. I mean, when you've got that sort of omnipotent, over-the-top sort of um, ability, I, I reckon that that team would probably be the team to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this game as well, interesting for being the one that no one at the AFL and the Bulldogs refused to move uh, for the soccer, and rightfully so, in my professional opinion. Well, That's quite you know, interesting it, just to see at Amy Park how little they can actually fit in there. I'm not sure of the capacity, but it's 30, I've actually 000. got a member of the uh, Frio Cheer Squad who's also a Melbourne Victory 
um, member, and he's actually going to that game, the final, rather than the uh, Western Bulldogs. Oh, I, game. I think that happened last weekend, actually. I think uh, there were people that would normally have gone to the football on Friday night that were at the soccer instead. Uh, both games drawing 50,000, so it was interesting. Um, oh, I reckon that Bulldogs-Frio game might even, being on the midday Sunday game, hit that sort of 16,000, 17,000 mark again. I don't know if Bulldogs home grounds have started to increase this year, but... Your bandwagon's it's not rolling? It's not not going as well as what we thought. Mm. Okay, Richmond have Collingwood on Sunday at the MCG, which makes that afternoon even more fun-filled. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Collingwood yeah. win this, you'd, you'd expect, wouldn't you? I'd expect Collingwood to beat them. Yes. Yep. And, uh, oh, and, and hang on, have we, have we got a new... Um, Damien Hardwick's... Uh... Tenure and especially, I think they've got a very uh, difficult patch coming up to the buyer. So, um, I guess, yeah, uh, games like these, uh, he has to sort of get a win. Um, if he doesn't, then I guess get the microwaves out, boys. Uh, we've got some classic trying. I think Richmond are in big trouble. I think they're in a similar situation then to, to Carlton at the moment. They, they're going to have uh, some problems trying to get out of this hole. Mm. New, new favourite on the um, on the list on the uh, for the first coach sacked. Damien Hardwick, yeah. Yeah, yeah possibly. I, yeah. It is it, it is the traditional way down at Richmond. Uh, That's exactly right. Brisbane have got Port <laughs> in the last game of the round at the Gabba. Oh, uh, my God. That, that could be... That, that, small children, cover your children's eyes. This will be a bad one. Your Port are going to slaughter them. It'll be like the Battle of Cressy. It'll <laughs> it'll be brutal. The Battle of the Cressy. English longbowmen smiting the French pikemen. <sighs> what a fun time that would have been to be alive and be English. Yeah, uh, love it. Medieval dentistry. Just uh, looking ahead, uh, next Friday night, Messenger Geelong have got Carlton, so you'll have Carlton on the Friday night there. Oh, damn. Oh, I always, I, I, these things amuse me. <laughs> round eight and round nine, I think you'll find. Uh, well, not playing Geelong both times, but we are playing Sydney on the Friday after that. And, oh. and so then... basically, uh, Carlton's. Uh... Shitness is an actual attraction, according to the AFL. Yeah, I don't think they predicted just how bad we were going to be this year when they did the. Uh, well, the in the well they were spotlight. amusingly wrong. I actually, as much as I'd like to see a good game, there is something about a good Carlton thumping that really gets me uh, yeah, up and about for the round of football. Yeah, well, well, the interesting thing is that the the reigning premier does not get a Friday night game until Carlton's had five of them. Yeah, and, and they only get. I think we only get two for the year. That's because you suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you support. That's because, despite the fact you have sixty thousand members, you have fuck all supporters. And that's, that's, that's un- not true. That's, that's un- not true. And that's unfortunately what they base the TV stuff around is the perceived size of your of your supporter base. Uh, so rocks and and pets oh, so don't count for the TV rating. Basically, I know Carlton supporters just don't turn up, so they'll just watch on TV. Pretty much. Is, is it bring a friend afternoon at the Carlton game again? It could. It should be <laughs> if it's not. <laughs> bring yeah, a friend, bring a friend. Free Carlton games. You know, I was told that somebody who actually went up to that GWS game, they said the day before the match, that you could buy a ticket to that game for six bucks. You could get them for free on Oz Bargains, I think. So to the point where they're probably going to have to pay people to rock up. No, let's have Go a step further than Port's uh, Bay covers. This is going to be paying fans to sit in the stands to watch not, their game. It's not too long ago that the Swans were in the same predicament, though. It's it really isn't. It? You're talking like 15, 15, 17 years ago. Swan... Six bucks for a ticket to the football. Yep. Cover the bays in Hessian bags, I, boys. I remember when kids, when kids' tickets at the MCG were a dollar. <laughs> Sorry. For Friday night footy, when it first started. I Jesus. went. I went to a North Melbourne Hawthorne game, I reckon it would have been in 88. And, uh, yeah, the tickets were a dollar for kids under the age of 12. Which I barely was at the time, I think. And, and you were able to get your children in on that. That was terrific. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, 
sitting at the top of the northern stand for some stupid reason. Anyway, the old northern stand, not the new one, <laughs> the old one. You wore, wore an onion on your belt as was the fashion of that, the day. That's right. And, yeah, the only people on the phone was Edison just reciting the alphabet. Yes. A, he would say, then B. Anyway, we're, we're getting off the beaten track here. What are you looking forward to the most on the weekend, guys, as we wrap it up? Messenger, what are you looking for? I'm actually going. I'm actually going to the game. It's Hawthorne's first home game in Melbourne in five weeks. Well, stop playing in Tasmania, then you whiner. Shut up! Look at me. Don't play the games in Melbourne. Robbie Warnick's Robbie Warnick's not very good. It's not fair. (laughs) My name's Messenger, and I'm super good. My team. He's an admin. I'm an admin. Oh, sorry. I'm an admin, you peasant. I'm an admin. Chief, my football team's no good. Listen to me talking about it for 15 minutes. <laughs> on my pillow. My, 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 Mike, what, what are you looking forward to on the weekend? Oh, God. No. I don't know if there's anything that can top that. But I'm looking... No, I'm actually looking forward to a good game between three on the dot, so it'll be a good game. And, uh, Pross, what are you looking forward to on the weekend, mate? Oh, roughly. I'm looking forward to going to my first game for the year. I mean, it's been a while. So, Friday Night Lights against North Melbourne. Um, I'll be sure to say hello to Teffy, wherever he may be watching, uh, whichever monastery he's at. And, um, yeah, hopefully see a win. Is that what they call them these days? Monasteries. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Department of Corrections host monastery. I mean, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> because maybe you about to say hello to uh, Sweet Left Foot. He might be back from Belgium by now or... Or the Falls Road, or wherever it is he hangs out. Oh, well, apparently someone <laughs> called Matt Am's taking his ticket this season. So, who knows? Uh. Seppo, what are you looking forward to on the weekend, Matt? Um, the hopefully impending duel between two of the best players in the comp on Sunday lunchtime with Fife and Bontempelli. Hopefully they get matched up head-to-head oh, at God. some stage. And Bonts is um, I'm on the, uh, the bandwagon. I think he's one of the... Uh, Best non-Frio players running around at the moment, so hopefully we get to see that match up on Sunday. Be watching Seppo, that. You'll, you'll invite us to your commitment ceremony with Nat Five, <laughs> won't you? Be, be watching the game with a box of tissues next to him. Mike, did we cover you already? Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, I'm looking forward to nothing, really. This weekend <laughs> is going to depress me no end. But uh, all I can do is hope that Melbourne get up over the Hawks. Because... <laughs> Sure as hell, GWS aren't going to beat Carlton. So and then we'll get a we'll get a fifteen minute dissertation on how how Hawthorne's no good and how upset they make me. You know, so um, that's that. Thank you very much for uh, coming on tonight, guys. Aren't we glad that we took out the uh, the previews and put them in another podcast? <laughs> yes. it, it's it's brought it right down, is not it? Um, Longest podcast ever. No, we had a few things to cover. So, look, thank you very much, guys. Messenger, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you. And uh, Mike, thank you for coming on. Thanks once again, gentlemen. Seppo, thanks for coming on. No worries. Always a pleasure losing a couple IQ talking footy with you guys. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) sorry, you can go back to making your stupid banners next time, banner boy. And uh, prosecutor. (laughs) Price, thanks for coming. I don't even know what the fuck I why I bother with you guys. I just don't know. <laughs> you got to do something until your voice breaks. And uh, that's, that's it from me. Good night. I've been the Wookie. We'll see we you should, all. On, we'll see you we all on the say forums. Good night to Chief as well. Message. Can I go up here?